Today's conversation is with a woman named Chelsea Winstead. Now, Chelsea is one of my favorite people in the online business space. And I know, I know that I start so many of my episodes with the same language, but that's why I love hosting this show. You get the opportunity to learn from the people that have inspired me, given me hope, kept me humble, and been the devil's advocate when they know I can do something better. And Chelsea is one of those people. You'll hear us on today's conversation talk about what it is like to have a tough skin and to stay strong in your integrity and in your core values and in your mission, even when it is not necessarily something that people want to hear or think they want to hear. And Chelsea has an incredible ability to really cut through the noise and stay true to herself, but empower you at the same time. And one of the things that comes through in anything Chelsea posts, whether it's a viral Instagram reel or a viral TikTok or something on LinkedIn or a message in one of her many, many free but highly valuable communities, is she is passionate about helping women create their own freelance service-based businesses from their corporate skills and experience. And I really want to stress the service-based business. There are incredible people out there mentoring and coaching other coaches and consultants and people running large group offers. But Chelsea, through her HQ, is highly focused on the success of done-for-you service providers. She is, in fact, the co-founder of her HQ with her incredible business partner. But before she was a business founder herself, she was working for business leaders as a done-for-you service-based professional. And in our conversation today, she shares some of the aha moments and breakthroughs that she had in doing that work, which, by the way, she could have continued to do to great success, but there was something bigger for her. Her vision was bigger than just helping her clients one-on-one. She knew that there was an opportunity for her to help elevate and speak to other service providers. Her HQ is one of the most incredible places on the internet. And I think a lot of the journey to getting to her HQ was really rooted in Chelsea's upbringing and her time in the military, her time once again working as a scrappy service-based professional who was finding clients on Upwork and was making deals based on her hourly rate and the lessons that she learned at every step in her life so far really has been applied to the work that she does at her HQ and beyond. I am so excited for you to hear our conversation. Chelsea is just one of the the most interesting people out there. And I know that you will find so much value in what she has to share. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chelsea Winstead. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Chelsea, thank you so much for chatting today. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so pumped to be here. Well, anybody who's listening just heard me rave about you in the intro. I have had such uh, an incredible experience getting to know you both as sort of a client, colleague, working partner, but also as maybe one of the top 10 Chelsea fans in the entire world. It's been um, really inspiring (laughs) to see you not only build your business, but build it in a way that is like, you're a street shooter, but you're so empathetic. You've been there, done that, but you refuse to let other people who are interested in 
leaving corporate, building a freelance career, kind of go through some of the hardships that you had. So I would love just to hear you share where you are today, where you've been and, and what you've learned. Yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride to say the least. I would say I would never imagine that I get paid to do what I do now. I joke and say, like, I feel like I'm gonna go to jail. Like, the fun police are gonna knock on the door and be like, that's it, that's a wrap. Like, you had your time and back you go. So, yeah, my corporate background, um, I won't go in super far detail, but I was an Air Force officer and then I worked in corporate IT as a project manager. And one reason that I was interested in pursuing the corporate world is that I am very driven by money. Um, I am very incentivized by cash. And I would be lying if I said that I wasn't. So one thing I didn't love about the military is that performance does not dictate pay. And I really value that aspect of like the corporate financial structure. So um, what really led me down the freelancing path was that because when I worked corporate, I saw the ladder that was upwards and I actually liked what I did. Um, I liked my boss. I liked my peers. It wasn't like I had a negative work experience, but promotions were slow. I was one female out of a team of like 25 guy PMs, which is totally fine. Um, But it just was, I don't know, I saw the trajectory and basically you got paid a small amount more to deal with a lot of bullshit. Mm -hmm. And the bullshit to pay ratio wasn't what I was interested in. So it, it just, I looked at, you know, the senior PMs on my team and like, they looked like unhappy people, like on the calls that they were with, with clients, you could just see the stress they were walking around with. And I knew that that was my trajectory. And I just felt like the pay increase would not be worth that stress and burden workload. So then I started to think like, what else could there be? Like I looked at cross departments, like, okay, maybe like, I just don't want to go down the PM route. Um, and then that's really where freelancing fell into my lap a little bit. Um, I worked in corporate IT in Minneapolis. And during that time, this is like back in the day before hybrid working was like a thing. And I put in a package to work remote because I was living in many my family and friends, like I'm from North Carolina. So I was missing out on all the holidays, all the birthdays, all the Friday night barbecues. So I wanted to get back home. So they approved my package, which was fantastic. I was like one of three people out of a company of like 2,500 people that were allowed to work remote. So I was like very thankful. Um, But then I realized that, wow, when you work at home, it is really freaking boring. (laughs) Because part of the corporate structure that I didn't know that I appreciated was that socialization, right? So you get off of a call and then you walk over to somebody's desk and you're like, Hey, you want to go get a coffee? Hey, you want to go on a walk? Hey, you want to go to the break room? And so 60% of my day was spent socializing. And so I purposefully removed that without realizing that that actually took up like a lot of my time. So then I work from home and I am so bored. I am so bored because it's like 12 o'clock and I've done all my stuff. I've done all my calls. All my clients are good. All my consultants are good. And I am just like, oh my God, like what a disaster. So I started freelancing because I was bored. Uh, not even because I thought it was going to be this big like gold mine. Like the two were happening at the same time. I felt like, okay, this is kind of boring because wow, I just took away all of my socialization, but also the pro- like progression wasn't sexy. So it was like you add the two together and it was kind of this like cooking idea of what is possible. And then I actually don't tell this a lot, but I watched this documentary called The Minimalist. If you've ever seen it, it's fascinating. And they basically, um, it's two guys. One was like the CFO of like T-Mobile or some crazy company. And basically he tells a story of how he was like super rich, but in one week his wife left him and his mom died. And he just like realized that he traded his life for money. Mm. And it's really like, it puts you in your feels because you're like, oh my God. And so then he's like talking about being at home alone in this like mansion and just questioning like all of his life decisions. So you pair that and then there's another guy and I can't remember his story obviously wasn't as profound to me, but they come together and they create this essentially movement to help people see that, especially in America, we live in these social constructs of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like having really nice cars, but why? Buying really expensive bags, but why? And it's because capitalism is super strong and I am very motivated by money. But it was just a really eye-opening thing to watch in the midst of all these other things 
happening. So really what they talk about is working enough to pay your bills and not more. So that's sort of their like messaging. So I think I'm kind of bored. I don't like the forward motion of what's going on. I watch this documentary and then my wheels just really get spinning. And so then freelancing fell into my lap. And I thought, okay, this would be cool if I could replace my corporate income by freelancing, like say 20 hours a week, but then I actually have 20 hours in addition that I can just do what I want to do. So that's really how it all started was this like combination of kind of several factors going on at once and then realizing, okay, freelancing, there is a way that you can make money online. You pick clients that you want. So I personally used a platform called Upwork um, mm-hmm. because they pre-vet the clients. They deal with all the payments. Like you're not cold pitching yourself. It's It's pretty in my opinion, easy to connect with potential clients on that platform. And I started to get gigs. And I told people I worked full time. So I could only work after hours. And everybody was super understanding. I offered project management. So the same exact thing that I did in corporate. And what I saw was that there was this huge sort of um, small business slash startup realm of people that were willing to pay high ticket per hour because they couldn't hire somebody full time. So then that's when it exploded, right? And when you say exploded, I mean, let's put some numbers on it. You said your initial goal was to replace your corporate income and to have this different way of life. Then you go freelance. So had you at that point replaced your corporate income and more? Yeah. So I started on there because again, I I started doing it just because I was bored, not even thinking that there was this potential. That's so you, by the way. I love that. Like a lot of people, (laughs) no, and and I want to want to share this just because you know I think there's a lot of value in in what you just said about like what you're what you're talking about with being attracted to money and 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 motivated by money. That's true. But I would actually push back and say what you're what you really are motivated is value for the efforts, value for the performance, and the way that we measure that in large part in in business is this money. That's the metric. Correct. But like, yes. You know, you also are not someone that's like, I feel great when I'm working 10 hours a day and then off right. to the beach. I know you do that, but like, that's not your motivation. So really just like getting proper exchange value for what you do. So yes. like you filling in this like your gap was not, oh, I'm trying to get out of the time trap. It was like, if I'm going to work and I love work and I love the impact, I need to make sure yeah. that I'm making bank. So I just wanted to yes. push back in, in a really positive way because I know that a lot of people that listen, I'm like you, Chelsea. Like I love the idea of having the space and the time, but if I'm going to fill it, it's probably going to be with more work. So lean yeah. into it. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like I'm just, uh, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's my nature. So yeah. So again, you had gotten to this point, you're bored, you start doing this freelance work. Where are yeah. you in terms of your income? Yeah. So I was making $65,000 a year. And when I moved back home, so think I moved from Minneapolis, which is like big city to like little town, North Carolina. So I felt like I was like raking in the dough. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like nobody can touch me, like hot shit. So <laughs> I started freelancing probably for like 15 to $20 an hour just getting started because I didn't know what to even expect. So I started getting bids, like people asking me to apply for jobs. And I was like, Oh, this is really easy. So I started to increase the rate. And when you do the math, so to do an apple for an apple, so 40 hours a week, every week of the year, essentially, it's like 3125 an hour is what I would have to charge as a freelancer to make the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. So one day I just got like, I don't know, kind of ballsy. And I just bumped it up to like 45 an hour. And people were still inviting me. And so then my brain starts to like break because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me that I can charge like a lot more because you do the math, like 45 an hour, that's a hell of a lot more than I was making in my salary job. And they were not blinking, you know? And so I, so within six months um, of starting freelancing because I was quote unquote bored, I replaced my income, my 65. So then I put in my notice after six months of freelancing, like after hours, essentially. And then the January, I got a little bit more serious about it and thought, okay, let's see kind of like what we can do here. And then within another three months, I was making about $120,000 a year on par for salary. So went from making 65000 a year to about one hundred twenty. Yeah. So doubling that essentially. And is that where it ended? Did you sit tight with that six-figure year and you think, I've got it made, this is it for Chelsea? Or did you get bored or set a new goal? Yeah. So from that point is where I freelance like that comfortably for probably like 18 months. Because so, I mean, I'm going to tell myself, I have always been an old soul. 
So when all this went down, I was the ripe age of 24. So I was 24 making like six figures. That's like illegal, like, like, right. It just felt like this is absolutely nuts. Yeah. I think I was making 25,000 a year still at this point working (laughs) in television when I was 24. So it's really depressing, but like motivating Uh, too. (laughs) But that's it. So like, I think because I was so young and I didn't even know what was possible. Like I thought it was wild that I was making that kind of money. And there's basically nobody, there's no one around me in my life that made that kind of money. So I also didn't have like metrics to set based on, right? Like you set metrics based on what you're exposed to. And so I really didn't know that I could even go further up, if that makes sense. So I was just like fingers and toes crossed. Like, let's just hope nobody sinks my ship and we're just going to keep on floating down the road. So at about 18 months of doing this, this is when I um, tell the funny story of falling down the Instagram rabbit hole. And I have this really hilarious reel I did like two years ago. And it's basically when you discover that there are these different types of businesses that exist and they actually make a lot of money and they pay people a lot of money. You're just, it's once again, like your mind is blown. Like I was blown. My mind was blown when I first just figured out that freelancing was a really profitable way to make money. Then it was blown again when I realized there's like a sub, sub, sub niche of people that exist in the world. And that actually they value a lot from skills that like say somebody like you or I have. Mm -hmm. So at around that time is when I fell down the quote unquote Instagram rabbit hole. And that is when I started to change my business model from uh, charging hourly to what I would call a retainer model. So retainer, it's when you're really black and white kind of person and like a line item person, it can actually be really hard to fundamentally wrap your mind around it because we're so attached to the hours that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But retainer pricing is more so on a value proposition and less of your time. So I'm really good at selling. It's probably actually what I've learned about myself is one of my greatest skills, even though from day one, I did not identify that as a thing. I just thought I was really good at the thing I did. So therefore, people hired me. I now realize, hence we'll get to later, uh, the current business that I run is teaching people how to sell and market. <laughs> yeah, you made, a, you um, made a definite pivot. But yeah, yeah. I, and, and I'll just insert one thing, which is interesting to me hearing you lay out the timeline because I have known your story and I followed you. But this is, I think, the first time I've put these two things together, which is the uh, the challenge that you faced in the military saying like i it's we're being measured not on our performance on the outcome but on you know effort or like how much time do we do this and what you're talking about is really the shift from hourly to retainer is like if your value is in your outcome who cares if it takes you 5 hours or 20 they're investing Correct. in the outcome and that's a huge mental shift uh, as a business owner yeah for sure and i Essentially, when I went down identifying these new types of businesses, which weren't hiring on Upwork. So I think that was a big change is these kind of quote unquote, like Instagram or like I call them like personal brand businesses, Mm -hmm. right? Like Upwork is very like digital marketing. There's some kind of like virtual aspect. Um, it's just a little bit more corporate-y, I would say, like has a more corporate vibe. Whereas the client base that, that I got introduced to and started to connecting with on social media was a lot more of like personal branded entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? And so these are people that are wearing 50 hats, all of which are falling into the road and getting ran over, like missed out fire scene when the face falls in the road and they run over the face with a big truck. Like that is what is happening. (laughs) They're trying to wear like 17 faces and you just, you can't do that. And so I, when I met this new group of people, I realized that what they really needed was that outcome because they actually couldn't even tell me what they needed. So me tracking my time is pointless. Mm -hmm. Like you need more of a expert, somebody more strategic, somebody who's a little bit more leadership on their skill set not somebody that you have to tell what to do. I think that's a big thing that we teach is if your clients have to tell you what to do, it's really hard to pitch a retainer because right. the value proposition isn't there. But if you know what to do on their behalf and you tell them what you're going to do, they are so happy to pay a set fee to know that you're going to own that realm and their company for them. Yeah. And the value, by the way, of like you bringing this operational integrator experience and mindset, but now you are yourself, Chelsea, a visionary. Like you understand yep. that your highest role to you are even at the time, but certainly as we get into the shift into your business model now. But I think that's a, a unique thing and an asset really that you bring. And if you're talking about working with other visionary CEOs on the personal brand side, 
they get yep. distracted and derailed by the details. So like owning the fact that your expertise as a done for you service provider, or even as you're growing in your business, an online business manager, a VA, like whatever it is that you're identifying it as now, that ability to take the weight and the burden off of your client's mind, like there's that's yep. explosive. And that I had to learn that the hard way because I would sell the deliverables, like you were saying. And really what yeah. there's like the only thing you need to sell is like, do you want to feel this way or this way? If you want to feel this mm-hmm. way, trust me to take care of all the details. And then you obviously have to execute them flawlessly. But I love that you're, sure. you're sharing that. And I, I love that you like found that out on your own, not necessarily through trial and error, but as you were looking at opportunities in your business. So yeah, switch, sure. you have this aha on Instagram. How do we go mm-hmm. from healthy, the DFY working at yep. an upper level, these big deal retainers, making good money to yep. her HQ and founding a company and bringing in a business partner, get me from here to there. Yeah. So to give a little context on that. So I was working on Upwork hourly, fell down this rabbit hole. And within three months, I moved completely off of Upwork and only signed retainer clients. So I scaled my done for you business. So I went from being like a project manager on Upwork to being an online business manager who offered retainer services. And my company was making $50,000 a month reoccurring every month with the amount of retainer clients that I had. $50,000 recurring every month with retainer clients. It was actually nuts. Like again, I just, my whole journey, I'm literally waiting for the police to show up to my door. Like I don't know how it hasn't happened. And this is really like the pivotal point that I realized that really my true, my true value is selling Mm -hmm. because I actually met a lot of people along the way, like people that I would consider my peers that I would literally tell you on a piece of paper were better at the job than me, but they could not talk about their performance. Like I could talk about mine. So that is really where this evolution came of me helping other people like me. So obviously I was an officer in the military. I have a master's degree in strategic leadership. I really really love leading a team. Like even whenever I was running my done for done for you company, I had about probably a total of six to nine contractors, give or take, like nobody was full time. Um, everyone was hired on Upwork, of course, because that was my like <laughs> sweet spot. And um, I knew really how to communicate even to a remote team, how to get shit done. Everybody's on the same page. Like, okay, let's talk about and do customer debriefs, like what's going on. And when I looked around, basically no one was making that kind of money that I was making, offering the service that I was offering. And it really wasn't because of what I was doing. It was because of how I could sell. So then this opportunity, essentially, it kind of dawned on me because I was talking with two of my friends, like just on Instagram. And they were like, how in the actual mother F are you making this kind of money? And I was like, how are you not? It's like so easy. And they're like, it's actually not easy. So easy. So (laughs) I know I'm like, so easy. Like, wow, wow. Retrospect. And we start talking and I'm like, okay, I don't understand. So like how, and then I get them to tell me what are they doing for their sales process? Oh, and it's a freaking disaster. Mm -hmm. So through those convos, I was like, you know what? I'm going to offer like a one-time like program. I'm going to have four OBMs or people like me, and I'm going to teach them how to make a lot of money. And so out of the four, I think three out of the four hit $10,000 a month by the end of it, they joined making like 2,500. And so a month. So I was like, okay, this is like a thing that I could do. And a big question I get asked all the time is like, what made me stop offering one thing over the other? And so something that's really rooted, like I do not come from money. Um, I was not handed anything. And no offense to anyone who has, that's awesome. And we're doing that for my child, which is lovely. But I didn't come from that. So what I felt was more empowering was so the women that were my done for you clients, they are crushing it. Yeah. They're making a half a million to two and a half million dollars a year. They're doing just fine. My done for you babies are struggling, like Mm -hmm. working their ass off, not making good money. Like it just, that is where my heart was because I could helping somebody go from a half a million to 750,000 or 750 to 1.5, like they're going to do fine either way. But helping somebody go from making $2,500 a month to $10,000 a month, like that is life changing. And that is what I was called to do. The leader in me, like the person who likes to help other people, I felt like I could have a more mass and long term impact 
in that capacity than maintaining the done for you business. Mm-hmm. So that is ultimately where things started to change. Um, I just felt more called to do it. Um, but one group of people that I never felt confident helping were people that um, offered a project based service. Mm-hmm. Because I obviously had scaled the company only offering retainers, right? So that is my bread and butter. If you have an ongoing service that you offer, I can help you make a shitload of money, period. Mm -hmm. If you have a one-time service, it's not that you can't make a lot of money, but that is just not my wheelhouse because that is not how I built my company. And so that is then how I met Holly, who is Mm -hmm. now my business partner, and we run her HQ together. So Holly had the opposite journey. Um, She truly wanted to freelance to have total freedom. She's went... She's traveled to like 45 countries, her and her husband, like they're travel bugs. They love the freedom. So she needed to be able to sell really high ticket to then have a big sack of cash while she then had a lot of time off. And that is something that I would say that wasn't my Mm -hmm. arena, like how she would set up projects, how quickly she would get those done, the deliverables, the value proposition, like kind of transferable, but kind of not. So that's really where over time other done for you providers wanted that selling and marketing assistance. But there was like a fine line of I can help you if this but I can't help you if that. And then that's where then Holly and I met because she was, you know, charging 10 to $20,000 per project for her web and brand design projects. And that's where a lot of project based Mm -hmm. businesses aspire to get to. And so she couldn't step in my arena, I couldn't step in her arena. So instead of building separate arenas, actually, the beautiful thing about being a done for you is that all of the services run in parallel. So many businesses actually need to hire five to seven service providers. So we thought instead of building two separate communities, why don't we combine forces and then help everyone with like everyone in the done for you space, which then also allows them to filter leads into each other's businesses. Mm -hmm. And that is what we did. Yeah. And the, the Her HQ community, I I mean, it's one of my favorite communities to pop into just because there is so much support. I mean, it's one of the most active communities I've seen. And like yeah. your free Facebook group alone has just so many people supporting each other, referring, answering each other's questions. And, and here's something that I see in you, Chelsea. And I love that you brought up Holly, who is like also in the top 10, you know, like favorite people list of mine. But the the vibe that I see from the two of you... And, and push back if you disagree or if this is not intentional, but but from an outsider looking in, what I love is that like you are a you are an injustice warrior in so many ways. You refer to it here. Like when you see injustice in your uh, role in the military, you're frustrated and here's how you get out of it. Then you come out and you see injustice where you know you're building a company, but other DFI, they just don't have the role model. So you shift your yep. business model and you become that. You have this empathetic nature, but also like a take no shit approach. Holly, I think, you know, tends to be more of the like good cop, you know, she's British. So that's part of it. Her accent is so maybe it's the American thing. There's just when Holly talks, I'm like, you can say anything and I'm just so happy. But the reason I bring this up, Chelsea, is that because like one of the things that I've seen, Uh, And you talked about the fun police, like you made this big leap over to TikTok in the last few months. And my guess is that you were sort of like, I've seen you do on all the platforms, you're testing, you're messaging, you're, you're experimenting. And that thing takes off And you have this parallel where you found this viral opportunity on Instagram, then you hop over to TikTok, but like TikTok is the world of fun police. And you're on there saying X, Y, and Z is a scam. X, Y, and Z is bullshit. Like, don't fall for this. And the reason I love it is you marry this like, nope, like I'm going to call you out. This is wrong. If you're doing this, this is wrong. If someone else is telling you to do this, it's wrong. But like, here's the solution. And like, you can kind of get them to the brink of feeling like, oh my gosh, I've fallen for this MLM or I got, I fell into this get rich quick trap. But then you yep. give them this this opportunity. So like how I just want to be honest, how hard is that? <laughs> like the fun police are there and they are probably calling you out all day, every day. How do you yeah. keep it going? So I think this is one thing also that I feel is a unique power of mine is that I just actually fundamentally don't give a shit what anybody really thinks about me. And Holly and I laugh because there's a lot of people who say that and they have a persona 
but it's not actually true. And then there are people like me that say it and it is actually true. So I think that if you are like, it's really funny because Holly and I, she could never, oh my God, she would break into a true hive if I told her to make the content I make because she is a little bit more aware and a little bit more worrisome of that kind of negative backlash. Uh, I think just I truly, because I know at the end of the day, I'm helping people and I'm rooted in service and rooted in value. Um, I don't feel any kind of way. So yeah, there are a lot of people that troll and you know stuff like that. And I think it's hilarious. I'll literally respond to it as a video. Bring it on, bitch. Like you got something mm-hmm. to say? I will literally, I mean, let's talk about it. So I think that you do have to have thick skin. If you want to be like a content creator on a polarizing topic, you have got to be able to take the heat because a lot of people get really offended or, and basically a lot of what I talk about is that it's a pipe dream. So can you make money doing any of it? Sure. Can you get really rich doing an MLM? Sure. There are, there are some people, a small, small little nugget, baby fraction percentage of people that do it, but are you going to do it? Unlikely. And you don't like that? Don't care. Mm -hmm. So that's really the messaging is like, can you do any of it? Sure. But are you likely to? Probably not. Freelancing is like the the messaging is that freelancing is actually for the rule. Like anyone can do it. It's not for the exception. So if you want to, you know, be an affiliate marketer, if you want to do drop shipping on Amazon, like you might figure it out, but you're going to only be the exception and not the rule. And I think because that messaging is actually so true, there's more people that agree with what I say than don't. So out of a hundred comments, two are going to be coming with a pitchfork. 98 are like, Oh, yeah, I watched that training and it was full of crap. I'm like, Yeah, I know. So it's like, if you can handle the two pitchforks, like you'll be fine. And and I'm wondering, you know, almost a two part question, you know, you talked about having a thick skin. I'm wondering first, has that always been true? Where you just like you came into the universe like that? And, And the second is, you know, you know, you're talking about a population of people that and I'm gonna kind of be broad here, but there, a lot of these are marginalized people, right? Like these are people who, to your point, like $10,000 months, like that would be life-changing $5,000 months. So they are, they are susceptible to these promises and whether it's in good faith or usually in bad faith, there are people who are going to fill that vacuum. Right. So, but these Mm -hmm. are people who may not know any better. You talked about your early journey. You didn't have any role model from a DFY perspective to, to follow. So like, where does it come from? Again, that like injustice warrior, the vibe that I get from you, the thick skin, do you feel protective over people that otherwise are maybe more, you know, susceptible to this type of language if you don't like be their advocate? So I will say this, and this is also a big part of our conversation. I do feel like one of my core purposes in this world is to give women a token of confidence that they didn't have before. And so I was very blessed. I was raised by two really positive and affirming men. That's very uncommon. Um, My grandfather played a massive role in my life. I literally, I only got a full ride from the Air Force because of him, like 10 to 10. He told me how smart I was, told me I'll get emotional because I love him. Um, he was just and I don't even so, I know. I'm like, ah, like he was just so impactful. And then I have the world's best dad. Like he is so affirming, so proud of me. And I feel like that has such a massive impact on my success. And I know that because male, I mean, just not even just men, but like, it's so uncommon for women to have such positive affirmations from male role models, much less two. Right. And a lot of women are actually raised by women who are like repressed themselves, which then they project that onto their daughters. And so women just fundamentally are brought up to feel that you need to be quiet, stand in line and do as you're told. I am very blessed that I was raised to not do that, to say, I actually don't think so. I'm smarter than the guys. I'm better than the guys. I'm funnier than the guys. And I'm about to get paid more than the guys. Like, yeah, and, and by the so way, I, have I the was receipts to back it up. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm so aware that so that's not, that's so uncommon. Like I actually am the exception in that scenario. And I'm very aware of that. So I find it to be my purpose to then bring that confidence and give women tangible strategies to build theirs. Because if you don't walk around every day and actually just not give a shit about what people think, life is harder for you fundamentally, right? It is hard. So my goal with especially business is to everything that we do from like our free communities, I go live all like every single week, I give tips in our paid programs, we give homework with strategies, and it's all rooted in confidence building, because selling is directly correlated with your level of confidence. 
and fake confidence, you can smell it, right? Like if you're not actually confident, it's actually quite obvious. So I think that, yeah, I'm very blessed to have the upbringing that I did. I truly attribute a lot of my success and just my willpower to that. I'm also very aware that that's uncommon. Mm -hmm. I don't expect other people to have that. I expect myself and I challenge myself daily to give tokens of mine to other people who don't have it. So, I mean, you clearly have a strong inner resolve and a a set of values that direct you. And I love that you, I, I think you're right. I don't know that every woman in business, whether they are kind of in the early stages or of their career or are leading a multiple six, seven, eight figure company. I don't know that they all have that, that inner drive, but outside of that, what does your inner circle look like? Like who do you go to when you need a dose of confidence for yourself or an advocate or a a devil's advocate? What does that look like for you? Is it a wide circle of people that you're connecting with or a small tight group? Um, So you're probably not gonna be surprised by this. I'm actually a very lone wolf kind of person. Um, I have a lot of acquaintances. I have very few friends. Mm. I find that, uh, also you're going to love this. I mean, you know, this I'm married to a therapist, love that for me. So I lose every argument. It's total (laughs) bullshit. It's lovely and terrible, lovely and terrible. Um, it's actually probably literally only Holly and my wife, because I think business is a really sacred thing. Um, I think that, oh, we do have a mentor. We work with a lovely man named Les. He is somebody that we go to. You know Les. You love Les. An accent. So I think maybe there's like a a, a pattern here. (laughs) Yeah. I keep my circle really tight because, you know, in like a relationship, like you get into an argument and like, but that shit is like your argument. You're not going to go in public, go like talk shit about your argument to all of your people. Like, I just think that's weird, yeah. even in a personal setting. So like in a professional setting, um, I, my circle is very small. I literally probably vent to Christine, but don't give me any recommendations because I won't listen to you. Love that for yeah. her. God help her. <laughs> um, and then Holly and I brainstorm on like, so it's three people, Christine for emotional venting. That's it. I don't want any recommendations. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Holly is like, cause obviously we're business partners, which I would say this is probably the biggest benefit of having a business partner is you do not self spiral. Because when I was an entrepreneur and not like in a partnership, um, Christine, how we're married, I don't know. Because I would have killed <laughs> me if I were her. Because I would, I would have no one to brainstorm with. So then I would seek my wife, who is not an entrepreneur, to create entrepreneurial recommendations with me, of which I didn't like, of which I then wouldn't follow through with. And she was like, oh my God, if we spend one more minute talking about this, I'm about to kill you. So I'd say... <laughs> My partnership with Holly, that's such an amazing relief because you don't self-sabotage because you have another person who has equal like ownership in the company to keep you like sane. And then one level up would be less who then we like actually go to with like a business problem. We present what's happening. And then he would be our mentor who I would say has a bird's eye view, isn't as emotionally attached isn't as drawn, like drawn into the weeds as we are. So is more likely to call out just like, okay, yo, why are you doing that? Same way of like my students. It's easy if they come to me with this problem, that's like, you know, you're in a toilet bowl, just swirling around (laughs) and you look at it and you're like, okay, what are you literally doing? You just do this and it stops doing that. But I think of course it's, you can't see your own problem. So I'd say, yeah, my inner circle is very small. My wife, Holly, our mentor. I love that. And I'll just insert that my husband, we have a rule where I will have to tell him whether I want a friend or a fixer. And like that also comes from therapy. So shout out to Christine, like understanding I'm a fixer by nature. I just like I hear a problem and I'm like, oh, I can see the 10 ways to resolve it. And of course, right. So, and, and I, what I really had to learn and discipline myself is that that's not always received as I intended it and vice versa. You know, sometimes I just need to be like, not always equals never received, never, never, let's be very clear, never Never. received. Um, My nickname in college was also Vore because I was the girl you could go out, you could party. Like I was there for a good time, but we would get home safely. 
I would have, yes. uh, this is like pre-cell phones. So I'm really dating myself, but like, I would remember the number of the taxi cab to call oh, at yes. two in the morning. And I would remember like the direction home even. So uh, there's something that tracks, but I love that communication structure you had. And, and I'm similar to you, Chelsea. I sort of consider myself to be an extroverted introvert or an, an ambivert because yes. I love the perspective of lots of people. And I love to talk with people, but there are just so few people that I really trust. And, and, to your point, you're like, Hey, I don't need the direction. Like I need validation. I need a safe place to go talk about stuff that's not working or just like, sometimes I have a shitty day and I want to be sleep in saying that, but like, I'm clear on how to fix it. Like I got this. So I I love that. I love that you have those three, those three tiers. Okay. So one of the things that I share uh, a lot on this podcast and and elsewhere is, you know, I have probably too many, but a few mantras that I go to. And one of them for me, when I'm like really struggling with vision casting is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that's also what you have really built. Like if you can talk about what's working or strategies or ideas, and you're sharing it with other DFYers, like there's no point in you gatekeeping that. Because I think at this point, you could have had a multiple, you know, 10 figure business, frankly, if you wanted to just keep down this path. But what you've decided to do is to pour in and invest in others and, and still see the financial outcome for that. Is there a mantra or a phrase or anything like that that you come back to or something that has really inspired you in your journey? I think that the biggest thing I've learned about business is that I don't know that it's a mantra, but it's sort of like, what's the saying? You're gonna be like, wow, Chelsea, you really delivered on this. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to build a house and try to get people to come to the house. What is this saying? Where like a lot of people, what they try to do is they have an idea and they want to sell that idea with no validation. Oh yeah. So I would always say like, you're building the plane while you're flying it. Probably the easiest thing is like, you know, like, go where the people are. I think that for me, that has always been what I followed because so even back whenever I got on this Instagram thing, I literally just like had conversations and then all of these people were like, holy crap, if you would do that for me, oh, I would happily pay you $2,000, $3,000 a month, $4,000 a month. And I was like, holy shit. So I took my bag and I went where the people were. And then I'm sitting in that camp and then I'm having like organic conversations with people, just like day-to-day people, my friends. And I'm like, wait a minute. So if I did this, you would pay for it. And they were like, oh my God, yes. So then I took that bag and I went where the people were. Even lately, TikTok was an accident. I posted a video. And so for the past six months, actually to add this in. So for about two years, her HQ was solely dedicated to the service provider that was already in business. So they were already understanding like what they wanted to do, kind of maybe who they wanted to work with, but selling and marketing was not easy and it was not working. And that is who we helped. Over the past, since essentially last December, I fell into an accidental TikTok rabbit hole where basically I watched enough stupid content on TikTok and then posted three polar videos and it literally got over a million views. So then all of these people were building, right? And we're like, oh my God, like, okay, tell me more. So then I went where the people were. So over the past, you know, six, seven months, her HQ, what we've actually now been focusing on is serving a greener customer than we've ever served before. We used to only serve you by the time you were already identifying as a business owner. Now we are helping you become one. So mm-hmm. TikTok is very consumer focused. I actually tell a lot of my prior like students that TikTok is actually really hard to create if you are doing B2B. So if you're trying to target other business owners, I'd honestly, in my professional mm-hmm. opinion, I would feel like it's really hard. Um, whereas on TikTok, that's just where people are. It's like late night scrolly in bed, hanging out, like you're not going on there trying to buy anything by, you know, you're not looking for that. So my content was actually just me ranting with no true like intention. And then I go to our email marketing platform. And then all of a sudden we had a thousand leads in a day. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? Because luckily I had like a link in bio. I did have like a thousand Mm -hmm. followers. And then I thought, because we had just launched a new ad, I didn't even know we had any money behind it. And I was like, oh my God, I think we just like killed it on this ad. And then I go look at the source and it's from that TikTok often. And I go, oh my God, wait a minute. And I go look at the video. It had like 50,000 views. I was like, oh my God. And that's how the whole thing started. It was like completely accidental. 
no intention. I had no idea, but I then went where the people were because now we've now sold over a thousand seats to our newest program, which is called the online business builder. And that helps your nine to fiver figure out how to start a freelancing business. Whereas if you would have told me last June that we would even help people like that, I'd be like, there's no way like that we don't have that customer base. We're not in front of that audience. Because mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that you should go where the people are. You shouldn't like build a house and then try to invite people off the interstate to come over. Like that's stupid. I shouldn't say stupid. That is a much harder way to make money as a business owner than if you just put yourself in the locations that the people are already at and you offer something that people are already wanting to buy. Yeah. I think it's so exciting to watch your journey, Chelsea, not only because I am, I really truly am inspired by you personally, but I also think like you are ahead of the trend and your ability to spot them and to go do it, but then also to like bring us along like, Hey, I'm over here and this is working and this is the roadmap you should follow. I think to your point, that's what you've been doing since your early days exiting the military and then going through this journey. So I'm going to let you off the hook with a lightning round. Okay. Okay. And then of course, we're going to let everybody know how to find you, follow you, be a part of your amazing communities. I cannot wait for people to get to know you and fall in love with you the way I have. But let's, let's keep it simple. iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone. Yes. Okay. Do you have, and maybe we just uncovered it, but do you have a favorite social media platform to show up on every day or, or a few times a week? I do love TikTok. I think it's less mentally taxing than Instagram. It, a year ago, I would have told you Instagram. In the current state, it's TikTok because it's actually quite hilarious. And I really actually laugh my ass off daily. Uh, and I'm one of those late night scrollers who feels like I'm there with you. So yeah, please keep yes. showing up there for, for me and you know the hundreds of thousands of people who are also following your journey. Uh, you got a three-month sabbatical. There are no negative outcomes to your business, to your personal life. Where you go, what are you doing, who are you with? You're going to laugh. I probably wouldn't leave. I love my life. I would just probably not get on the computer and I'd go to the beach more and probably take my dad and my stepmom and my mom and my sister to lunch more. But I'd probably just be exactly where I am right now. Oh, that made me so happy and emotional. And, and that's just such a beautiful <laughs> thing. Okay. Um, biggest fear, and you can be as broad or as narrow as you want. So for example, if this is like a big life fear, or if it's like, I'm afraid of heights, answer that however you will. You're going to laugh. I hate a water bug. I swear to God, the roach. Yo, I am not okay. Okay. I hate like biggest fear is like if I, oh my God, you know, the little water things in town, like the sewer things when they open that lid up and they're, oh, Oh if you told me I had to do that, I would actually not be okay. Like I would have a breakdown. So that is by far the biggest fear is water bug. No, thank you. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually really that I feel like I just got so much insight to you and now I know what to avoid bringing up or, you know, gifting you at any point. Um, do you have a signature coffee order? Uh, 2% ice latte, no flavor. Oh man. I feel like, so I am like, uh, give me all the flavors. I know it's sugar. I'm just gonna like pretend that doesn't exist kind of coffee girl. So well, we're on like our fit girl. I'm on like my fit girl pod right now. You know, like we're looking good. So we're going to stick to our unflavored. Yes, yeah. Ask me in a year. It might be a different order. You are disciplined. You are no nonsense. I love it. I love you so much. Thank you so much for chatting and you are truly the best. Mwah, I love you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Bye friend. How great is Chelsea Winstead? I hope that you laughed along with us. I hope that you were inspired by something that Chelsea said, most likely multiple things that Chelsea said. And I hope that what you heard when I introduced her at the top of this conversation, I hope that that resonated and rang true throughout our chat today. Because at the end of the day, Chelsea is so unique in the business space where she is unwilling to let you fall for bad faith language or for get rich quick traps. She just wants more for you. And I know that you want that for yourself. And Chelsea is so clear on her mission and her core values. And every time I see a post from her, whether it's a viral Instagram reel or a viral TikTok or a viral email or a viral LinkedIn, are you getting, are you seeing the pattern here? Chelsea has the ability to really cut through the white noise and the mess of social media and online business building and really get to the heart of what we all want to do. And that is make money, 
find value in what we do, work with amazing clients and with amazing people, and ultimately create the type of generational wealth that impacts not only our own lives, but the lives of our children and the lives of everyone around us. And if you are inspired by Chelsea and you know that this is just the very tip of the sphere of the information that she has to share, then I want you to follow her on all of her platforms. First and foremost, her website, herhq.co, herhq.co is an incredible place. You can find links to some of the free resources and communities that we talked about. And I really encourage you if you are a freelancer a service-based business owner, if this is something you're looking to do, you want to get out of your corporate nine to five, you want to start doing work on the side, like Chelsea talked about in her early days of freelancing, all of that information and all of that community is there for you at herhq.co. You also can follow Chelsea on her various platforms. TikTok, as she mentioned, is her favorite right now. It's also where she is getting so much engagement and so many new followers, and it's all because of the quality of her content. TikTok.com slash at Chelsea.Winstead. So her at handle is at Chelsea.Winstead. You can find her on Instagram at the same handle, chelsea.winstead, or at slash chelsquits. So that is a great place for you to follow her personal journey through health and wellness. And we referenced that a little bit at the end of the conversation. But if you are a business owner who is also actively working on herself, that is a great place to be. You can also follow the Her HQ account on Instagram. It is instagram.com slash herhq.co. So Follow Chelsea, learn from Chelsea, get inspired by Chelsea, laugh with Chelsea, cry with Chelsea, have all of the feelings, the big emotions, and just know that there is a role model out there for you. If that is the type of business that you are trying to build and you are looking for somebody who has been there, done that, and can give you the roadmap along the way. Thank you as always for listening, and I hope you tune back for the next episode of Hard Costs. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.